found in Judges chapter number 8 and verse number 28. Judges chapter 8, verse 28. Scripture reads, Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. And I want to preach, actually teach more on this thought, reversing adverse possession. Reversing adverse possession. Let's ask the Lord to help us this evening. Savior, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness towards us. The Holy Ghost, which we feel in this place, is evident, Master. And I ask that you continue to move in a powerful way, Lord. Strengthen our minds. Encourage us, Savior. Let our faith grow tonight because of your word. Let someone find confidence in Jesus Christ and in the salvation that you bring because of the preached word this evening, Lord. We thank you and we give you the praise this evening. And everyone says, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And while you're doing that, I do want to go through the musts, which are it is a, an honor to stand before this congregation and to be asked to be, be able to teach tonight by our pastor. And uh, give honor to him and our bishop. Thankful for their trust in me and in this ministry to my right. Also want to thank the saints of God that are here tonight. What a great crowd which shows your love for God. And which shows that you're not going to skip out. You're going to be here and worship. That makes me feel good. And I give honor to these men to my right who are very credible and able to dissect the word of God it's an honor to be up here. So the scripture we read is at the end of Judges chapter 8, talking about Gideon. And, uh, of course, I could teach several different ways from the book of Gideon. Um, chose this last passage for a reason. Adverse possession is something that I deal with quite uh, often, or I hear brought up quite often. And adverse possession has to do with uh, legality. It's a legal doctrine that allows a person to claim a property right in land that is owned by another person. Common examples of adverse possession include continuous use of a private road or driveway or agricultural development of an unused parcel of land. Um, for example, uh, behind the property here, the Chester Exit. Um, we have rights to use that exit. Uh, we could claim adverse possession because for more than seven years we have used that and uh, exited out of that way. Um, and so there are several different other types of examples. Sometimes um, homes get built without permit and, and the person has rightful um, ownership of a parcel of land and maybe his land is behind another uh, owner's land and the main road is on that property in front. It doesn't touch owner, uh, the owner behind's land, but he's been using the same driveway to get to his property. And then after several years, maybe that first owner sells and a new person moves in 
and they gate off that driveway, not allow, allowing the person behind them to uh, access their property. And so, of course, adverse possession is a right that only can be um, uh, determined in court, and he could go to court, and nowadays we have a lot of of things that help in determining usage of that land like aerial photography or witnesses from other people called parole evidence and it is a good thing sometimes to fight for uh, adverse possessions in those kinds of situations um, there are other situations that aren't favorable um, you've heard of squatters that um, unrightfully enter a home that isn't theirs and unbeknownst to the original owner who may not live at the at the uh, property, they are taking ownership of that home. They're living there. They've even turned on utilities in their name. Um, they've got a mailing address to that property. They're not paying any kind of mortgage or rent on that home. And it's a difficult process to remove that individuals because, believe it or not, there are rights given to the squatters, thus known as squatters' rights. And that's a type of adverse possession, uh, and it's not favorable. And so possession sometimes is, is, is hard to uh, throw up in court because they say possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's an expression of ownership, meaning it's easier to maintain if one has possession of something. Or difficult to enforce if one does not have possession of something. Uh, the expression they say derives from a quote possession is nine points of the law um, this is a Scottish expression or possession is 11 points in the law and they say there are 12 so possession is nine tenths of the law for example if you're wearing a shirt or a blouse um, you pretty much own that until someone can pr uh, prove otherwise because you have it on your person and it's going to be hard for someone else to say, you stole my shirt, they're going to have to prove it. Now, uh, the rightful owner shall have their possession returned to them if taken or used, if the shirt or blouse can be proved that it is theirs. And so this adage is not literally true. It doesn't mean that if you have something, like the squatter has the, the house because he's living there, he has his mail sent there, he has utilities turned on there. It does not... Uh, mean that it's literally true that possession is nine-tenths of the law, that by law the person in possession is presumed to have a nine times stronger claim than anyone else, but that it places in a strong light the legal truth that every claimant must succeed by strength of his own title and not by the weakness of his antagonists. So, as you possess, so may you continue to possess very harsh sometimes to fight against adverse possession and in light of this uh, definition not to bore you um, there is a situation that came up recently this year in my line of work we uh, in the county surveyor's office provide a lot of help to the public one of the things that we do continually is we check right away we stake right away and now in my department, there is a group that's called the Building and Development Group. And what they do is they build base maps that are um, founded upon all the documents that create right-of-way. So, for example, Columbus is a certain width street. 
And there's documents, there's grant deeds, there's irrevocable offers of dedication that show that ownership. Now, I'm going somewhere, don't let all this, this uh, terminology bore you, um, but there was a situation on Bill Avenue in, it, in, in this area where Bill kind of runs northwesterly. There's the park on the northwesterly side, and there's homes on the other side. And so we have a right-of-way there that's 80 foot in width. And typically, in a perfect world, when you hear the street width right away is 80 foot in width, um, not all the time do we build out to the full 40 feet on either side of center line. Typically, uh, it's, it's suggested that that's 40 feet either side of the center line of road, an 80 foot, ro 80 foot road. And we don't build all the way to 40 feet. We come back a little bit, but we do have the right to build all the way up to those dimensions. Well, the person that developed this base map uh, looked at some wrong maps and he assumed that it was 40 feet either side of Beale Avenue. That was not the case because it was actually 30 feet on the residential side and it was 50 feet of the, on the other side of the center line on the park side. Now follow me. So this resident on the 30 foot side, she built a very nice block wall and it was recently built this year she could prove she built it old aerial photos recent aerial photos show yeah this is a brand new block wall but because of bad dimensioning on a base map it appeared as though she was encroaching within a county right-of-way by a width of 10 feet and so the county was going to go and develop the street and widen the street and so they came to this person's property and they knocked on the door or something like that. But they let this tenant know, hey, this wall, it has to come down. And you can imagine how fired up the property owner was when they discovered, I just spent money to build that wall. It wasn't completed. She had some wrought iron work that needed to be uh, put in between the gaps for gates and other things for beautification on this wall. And they said, well, I'm sorry, we've been, we've been hired to come. We've got to remove the wall. You're within the county right away. You unlawfully built in an easement that wasn't yours. And so therefore, by rights that we have, we're going to take it. And so a big stink occurred. And this little lady stood outside in front of her wall, defying all kinds of workers, defying all kinds of equipment. She was not going to move, and she was not going to let anybody take her block wall. And then some inspector went out there and let her know, you better be careful, I won't take just a part of the wall, I'll take the entire wall. And so it got pretty ugly until the attention was brought to the county surveyor's office and we started looking at where the right-of-way really existed. Yes, it is an 80-foot road, but 10 feet that we're putting on her side actually belongs on the park side. And so we had to eat a lot of crow, per se, and we had to extend great favors and gestures. I had to write legal descriptions on old properties that don't have very good mapping. Brother McAllister don't have very good written deeds. 
And I had to work feverishly to hurry up and prepare legal descriptions to show the area of land that, that now the county's going to take. And we gave her a pretty penny to keep her wall and to finish all of the work that needed to be done on that wall because she was willing to not let the wall be taken. She knew what belonged to her, and she was willing to stand up against all of the odds that were against her. She fought for what she believed was right. Her steadfastness resulted in the completion of her block wall and in the completion of all the wrought iron work that she wanted to do at no charge to her because she was willing in a bleak situation to not let somebody take possession of what was rightfully hers. Amen. And we know the analogy that I'm about to step into at this moment. So many times we're just so willing to let the enemy take things from us without putting up a fight, without standing in the gap, without telling the adversary he cannot take what does not belong to him. I'm telling you, the song says that he never promised that the road would not get easy, the rock, the cross would not get heavy, or the hill would not be too hard to climb. So there's a little something, there's a little onus on our part where we need to stand up and say, I'm going to stand up for what's right, and it, you're going to have to put up a bigger fight to take me away from what you're about to take from me. Amen? I'm ready to stand up for what is right. Thank God we have truth today in the house of God and we can stand upon the firm foundation Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone just because you're taunted with ownership that can be taken away the devil wants to take away your joy joy is so important I mean, I work an 8 to 5, and there are just some people that you can tell they don't want to be there. And don't ask them, how are you today? Because you will find out. And a little bit of your joy may be, you know, taken away. There's a reason the Bible says the joys of the Lord are new every morning. We have a hope. We have something greater than this world has. You don't have to live in depression. Don't let the enemy take your joy. Don't let the enemy steal your happiness. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going through the toughest moment of my life. I'm going through hard things. You don't understand. I may not understand everything you're going through, but I do know a God who is an ever-present help in the time of trouble who will stand and fight for you if you're willing to stand and fight for him. Don't let the enemy take your joy. Don't let the enemy take your peace. Don't let the enemy 
steal your backslidden family and taunt them and let you know that you're living a life in vain. It's time that we reverse adverse possession and let the enemy know, oh, this may be a little battle that you have won, but my king, oh, let me tell you, his train fills the temple and he is the victor. And ultimately one day you're going to be perished and you're going to be in a hell chained and bound up and I'm going to be walking on clouds of glory with the victorious one. Don't let him taunt you with stealing your victory. Hallelujah. Stand and fight. Midianites and Gideon, the last verse that I read, says Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. Gideon was a man that I feel I feel like I can relate to. He was a man full of doubt. He was a man that could not understand why God was using him. You ever been there? He was a man that couldn't understand why he was labeled a mighty man of valor. Therefore he doubted, therefore he questioned, and he, he did not understand his position. It was unclear who he was, in so much that he even used his father, and in the description of his father being the poorest in Manasseh, to label his own self, after the angel of the Lord is trying to encourage him of a victory that is being foretold if he would just obey. He didn't understand where his position was. He couldn't find that location. He was disturbed. He didn't understand. He was confused. Why are you calling me a mighty man of valor? Another survey story. You ready for it? There is, as you have heard me speak of, uh, landmarks all throughout the country. Every square mile, unless it's in a rancho or some special area, uh, has been divided into sections, square mile sections, 36 sections to a township. And so all of that's based off the latitudinal and longitudinal lines, like the 8-7 standard parallel, Copus Roads, the 8-6 stand standard parallel. Um, latitudinal, longitudinal lines. That's where they began everything. And Anyway, we went to find off of Bina Road, south of the landfill known as Bina here east of Bakersfield, a corner. Now this corner was set as the northeast corner of section 16 of that township and range. And it was a granite stone with a marking on it. And going out to the field, I was with uh, the county surveyor and there was a survey crew with us and a, another survey crew a couple weeks before went out to look for the monument and they could not find it and he had dug like four feet and it he could not find it and so when I went out there I got a little excited because I am now an office boy and uh, all you field guys um, who make fun of us office guys we do miss the field sometimes and 
I got out there and I was a little excited. I wasn't pushing a, a, a pencil and I wasn't looking at a computer screen. And so I went and I started looking for evidence of the corner. And I had found some button shiners we call Bath A tags. Um, and they have Kern County stamped on them. They have a distance. And usually we put those in telephone or fence posts. And uh, I found a few of them. I found two. So I got excited. And I said, oh, it's there. We got to dig it. We got to dig it. We have to find this corner. I know it's there. And so I was in office clothes, and they were trying to say, oh, you're in office clothes. You probably shouldn't. I said, oh, no, let's. I'll climb through that tumbleweed. I'll go underneath that barbed wire fence. Just give me a digging bar and shovel. Let's dig for it. So we started digging. There was rattlesnakes out there as I was climbing through the tumbleweed. Anyway, I said that for effect. It made me sound cool. <laughs> There were rattlesnakes out there, and uh, we, went, we went to this spot. We pulled in the ties, started digging, and we got down about three feet, four feet, and it's very loose soil, and it's in a flood zone. Caliente Creek floods, and it brings all the silt and all the dirt, and just it's soft soil, and it's hard to dig in that kind of soil because as you go deeper, the sides cave in, so you have to remove that to get back to where your original depth was and so we then started looking around some more because we're getting a little frustrated yet I and the, the county surveyor were very determined though this point has to be there because we found on an old water standpipe a punch a punched uh, a T that was set by a man by the name of Walter Thompson and uh, it had a distance there that was our third tie and we're like oh this has to be there and so the county surveyor uh, he, he was telling me, oh, well, if Walt set this, he would have put a cone out, and he would have leveled from that mark to that cone, and he would have went down a certain depth. And it looks like it's going to be about six, six and a half feet deep. So I got to go in at that point, and the fellas, they continued digging. They didn't get to that point that day, but we went back, and we found field notes from 20 years ago where they had set those ties because we didn't have that information before we went out. Is this okay? We didn't have that information before we went out. And so we found the actual field notes. And so we told the guys, keep digging. And Brother Barrick, uh, if you would put up on the board my first picture, they kept digging. And we got pictures. And they said, we found the government stone. Or not the government stone, but the stone, the original stone. And so it was about six and a half foot deep. That guy's about six foot two, six foot three. He's actually standing on the monument in this hole. Next picture, give you another closer view. You, I don't know if you can see it, but there is the stone. And to the left side of that picture, you can see someone's boot. And they're about four feet, standing about four feet deep. And that's about another two and a half feet deep. Next picture, I know this is kind of hard to make out, but Brother McAllister, I know this brings a lot of joy to your heart, seeing things like this. There's the old granite stone. You can see a little orange marking there from 20 years ago where someone had painted it. And that is the original position that we had found. And it was a good thing that we had found that position because we were going to buy the land on which that monument marks. And to the east side of that uh, monument is the Rancho El Tajon. And uh, the west side are sectionalized land. And the county needed that position to find what pieces of property we were going to buy. And it was very important to know where the position was. We need to always understand 
what our position is. Gideon didn't know that he was a mighty man of valor. He had to be reminded, yes, you are. You are a mighty man of valor. And yes, Gideon, God is with you. And a lot of times coming to church is just reminder notes to the saints of God from the man of God that, yes, you are a mighty man of valor. You may not feel like it at the moment. You may not understand the circumstances that you are in, but you are somebody that is called of God. You need to recognize your position. You need to go back to where you first connected with God. You need to find that place where you and God met and where some commitments were made and where you said to yourself, no matter what comes my way, God, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight and I'm not going to let someone take away the joy, the peace, the promise that you gave to me. But I'm standing at this point. I'm in a prayer room. I'm going to go back and I'm going to put on holiness. I'm going to go back and know my position. I'm going to take sin out of my life. I'm going to reestablish my position with God. There may have there may be of some things that have brought a lot of cover in your life and you forgot where you once were. There may have been some things that have happened over time and you have to go back and find God. I, I know you met me here at a place. I know you spoke to me like Joseph of old. He knew that he had a dream and I really believe that is what propelled Joseph through all the trials that he went through where he never complained. This bragger, yes, that's the one thing that that we can blame him for is bragging but I really believe in my heart of hearts that Joseph never complained when Potiphar's wife came up against him and when he was thrown into jail and when he was suffering all of these things from his brothers I believe that Joseph knew his position and he knew his promise and he knew what God had called him to be so he wasn't going to let any trial or any tribulation or anything cover up what God had promised him. I'm speaking to somebody today. You need to not give up. You need to keep fighting. You need to dig deep. You need to find those old promises and know that God is going to take care of you and establish you. I'm talking about fortifying your relationship with God. A lot of times we don't believe it, but when we're praying for things, God is answering those prayers. We ask for patience. Well, He's working on our patience. He puts people in our lives to show us how to be good unto others. God really understands us. He knows what's best for us. It's time to fortify your relationship with him and understand that you are not alone. Gideon, you are not alone. Deuteronomy 20 and 1 says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than you, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I don't know, but standing on a battlefield and the most advanced modern forms of warfare are against me, it'd probably be a little bit nerve-wracking. But God is saying in the situation that seems the bleakest, the darkest, know that I am God and know that I am with you. And the battle is not yours but it is mine. You just keep my commandments and I will do the rest. This is something Gideon had to learn. Gideon, you're not alone. 
You had to find who you were. You had to go tear down some things that were in my way, remove the groves of Baal, and understand that I am the only one that can be exalted in your life. Hallelujah. It's interesting to note that Gideon always complained about his poor father um, in Manasseh, but his father was uh, rich enough to have servants and groves. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't know how blessed we really are. Really, you may be going through turmoil, and it may seem like the Midianites are stealing your crops that you've labored for every year, but you are blessed. You hear me? You are blessed. Just to know the truth, my friend, is a blessing. Just to know how the plan of salvation really works. Just to have an experience at an apostolic altar and let the power of God fill your soul. That is a blessed life, my friend. Money can't buy that. Hallelujah. Everything materialistic is going to fade away, but one thing will not fade away, and that is the Word of God and the Holy Ghost that He has given us. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and worship Him. your position you're not alone God will fight your battles second chronicles 20 and 15 and he said hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou king Jehoshaphat thus saith the Lord unto you be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's God is going to fight your battles such a blanket statement. How is he going to do that? I don't know. When is he going to do that? He's already done it. We may not see the victory yet, but God has already fought our battles, and he will continue to fight for you if you just continue to be faithful and you not and, and not let doubt fill your heart. Don't quit Believing, Mark chapter 5, verse 36 says, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. So easy today to not get our way, to not see the outcome that we had envisioned in our mind and to get distraught and to throw in the towel and to give up. It's not time to give up. Young person, it's not time to give up. God has great things in store for you. Don't get in a hurry and try and rush the will of God. Wait on the Lord. Pray. Devote yourself while you are yet strong and watch, watch God cause you to live a prosperous and fruitful life. It's not time to give up on your marriage, even though it may not be as blissful as it was when you first got married. But God is working in your favor. Hallelujah. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And if that doesn't convict you, men, the Bible says, He that loveth his wife loveth his own self. It's time for you to start loving yourself and love your wives. Hallelujah. I don't know why I said that, but it's good anyway. Don't let your marriage fail. The devil is trying to steal marriages in young people's life. 
It's time to stand for what's right and say, we're reversing adverse possession. You don't have authority. You don't have dominion. You cannot take, hallelujah, what God hath ordained. Believe and have faith. My timer says I've preached 31 minutes. So, Brother McAllister, if you'd come, coming to a close, teaching tonight about reversing adverse possession. A church needs to be a resilient church, not weak, not a church that caves when travesty happens. Oh, no, 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 no. That shows our faith in God. It proves that our walk with God is shallow if we can't stand against the storms, if we can't stand in the fire, if we can't really attest like the Hebrew 3 that God, even if he doesn't deliver us the way we want him to, he still is God. What a powerful statement of faith to know it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter the pain that I will endure. It doesn't matter the suffering that I'm, that's going to be afflicted upon me. If my outcome isn't what I have desired, this one thing is still true, that the Lord, he is still God. And devil, I'm not letting you have your way. I'm not going to bow down to this false idol that can do nothing for me. I know you have all the power in the world, king. And I know there's a bunch of peer pressure and a lot of eyes are on me. But one thing's for sure, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to let the devil take that which is mine. I'm a Hebrew. I'm an Israelite. I've been called by Jehovah. And I'm not bowing. Because he is still God. And the last thing tonight to remember in reversing adverse possession, I've touched on it already, is you never, ever, ever quit fighting. I know, I know. That's really it. Yes. Yes. One of my favorite chapters to read periodically is entitled most commonly David's Mighty Men and you can find it in 2 Samuel chapter number 23 and verse 8 these be the names of the mighty men whom David had the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains the same was Adino the Esnite he Lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. 800 men. They weren't filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But this man took a spear. And he said, I'm going to fight him. 800 were slew. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Talking about a man who was not going to let go 
of the thing that would save him. And he continued to fight in so much that they couldn't take that very instrument from his hand. Oh, if we would have the same kind of passion for the truth. Oh, that we would fight with the word of God. That we would stand up for it. What battles we could win. What victory would be wrought. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Why, why am I reading these? We know these Sunday school stories. You probably know the cadence of what I'm about to say. He wasn't going to give up. No matter what the perception of the crop was. Because in his mind, he earned that. It was their lentils. And the enemy, if you let them have an inch, they're going to take a mile. So he was willing to stand in what seemed worthless. He was willing to fight the battle over something probably many wouldn't care about. Because he wasn't going to let adverse possession take place. As we stand together, I'll read a few more. Verse 13, And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was in and hold, and the garrison, garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men brake through the host of the Philistine and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of them that went into jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. I like that one because those men fought for their king. They said, This is what my king wants. He just wants something real simple to quench his thirst. Just a drink of water. Such a little request. But it didn't matter. They were willing to break through a host of Philistine to please the king. Because they didn't want the enemy to take away from the king. So tonight, in this lesson, it's time to reverse adverse possession. It's time to not let enemy keep taking and taunting us with what he has stolen now is the time to let him know I know who I am and know that I am not alone and I don't have to fight this battle because God's going to do it as long as I stay faithful to him 
not going to lose faith even in the darkest moments I'm not going to quit believing and I'm definitely not going to quit fighting praise God hallelujah I'm not going to quit hallelujah hallelujah praise God we're not going to sing tonight we're going to pray pray, we're going to meet and greet. Take this lesson home with you this evening, reversing adverse possession. Savior, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you, God, for the word of God that is so rich and pure and true. Master, I pray that you would bless the hearts of the hearers tonight. That they would not only be hearers, but that they would be doers of your word. That they would portray, God, what the word of God says. I know who I am. I know who I believe in. I know I'm not alone. I'm not going to quit fighting. I'm not going to quit believing. God, I pray that revival breaks forth in this church because somebody gets a backbone and says, I'm going to stand for what is right. We love you and we give you the praise and we honor you this evening. In Jesus' name, put your hands together and praise him. Thank you, Jesus, for your...